Heavenly Father, we thank you that your blood speaks for us. That your blood says we're forgiven. Not because of who we are, not because of what we've done, but because of what you did for us. You shed your blood. And Lord, that speaks for us. Lord, help us to speak what you say. Lord, help us to speak what you say. Not how we feel or not what we think, but Lord, we would speak your word. Lord, your word is true. Your blood, your blood covers us from all our sin. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, help us just to trust you, to trust you and trust what you've done for us. Lord, we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today I want to think about Jesus, the Lamb of God, and just... Uh, Kind of go through the scriptures, starting in the Old Testament, and, and just uh, go through scriptures and just uh, see what that means. And to do that, we're going to start in Exodus, the 12th chapter. Um, children of Israel been in captivity in Egypt for 400 years. God heard their cry. God now sends, sends Moses to deliver them from Egypt. He, Moses goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh says he'd let him go. Then he says, no, I won't. Went through plagues. And now we got down to the final plague, one last plague. And that plague was that uh, Pharaoh was going to end up, or that the, uh, the newborns were going to be killed. And, and in Exodus, the 12th chapter, begin to third verse. And God says, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the 10th of this, this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, According to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. And then down in verse 7, it says, And they shall take some of the blood and put it on two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat. And then in verse 13, it says, Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So we see a time when God's going to strike the land of Egypt, but he's going to save his people and save their, their children by them sacrificing a lamb and taking the blood and putting the blood over the doorpost as a sign. God says, when I come, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. I'll pass over your house. And, you know, it's, it's the same for us, you know, that covering, that sign. You know, we, we talk about the blood of Jesus, you know, and, and we're going to continue with that. But, you know, it's that, that same idea that that blood was a sign as a covering for the protection and the fact that the children in that house would not be killed. They picked a lamb and it said the lamb had to have no defects, a perfect lamb. In other words, don't go out. Here's don't go out and get your old crippled lamb that's about ready to die, or don't get you know one that's not all that it should be and and sacrifice that. That's not a sacrifice. You know that's just getting rid of something you don't want. You know the lamb had to be a perfect one, and the same way that Jesus came as a man, but he was perfect. The Bible says he did not sin. So in the same way, Jesus then became that sacrificial lamb too the lamb must be killed there had to be shedding of blood 
The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. So there had to be a price paid. There has to be a price. The price was the blood of the lamb. And the blood was put on the doorpost as a sign. And you know, we too, we too as God's people, we talk about the blood, but we have to be covered by the blood. How do we get covered by the blood? By accepting what Jesus did for us. We accept what he did, the price that he paid, and then his blood covers us from all sin. The Bible says we're washed white as snow. You know, the Bible says, you know, that we're clean. We're made clean. We're cleansed. The blood of Jesus does that. And then we we jump to the New Testament, and we find John the Baptist, who was a forerunner of Jesus, who came to call people to repentance, and, and he said he was a forerunner of the one who was coming after him. And in John, the first chapter, uh, the seventh verse, the 29th verse. Yeah, I wrote seventh. You got the 29th. You're right. It says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So as John came and as John's preparing the way for the Messiah, he looks up and he sees Jesus coming and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The sin of the world. I believe that John, when he spoke, he was speaking as one who had a revelation. He was speaking as one who, who saw something that, that, you know, wasn't something in his mind that he understood, but he saw who Jesus was in, in, by revelation. You know, I think there are sometimes when we see things and we say things that are by revelation. You know, we don't always know what we're saying. And that's okay. The Bible says, lean not on your own understanding. And it's okay not to lean on our understanding. We can speak things that God can reveal to us that are beyond our understanding. I believe that's what John did here. He says, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I don't think at that point the people that heard it understood it because they kept questioning. You know, but John was making a statement that this is the one who's coming, the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sin of the world. And then we know that as Jesus went about his ministry, that he came to a point where he did that. He came and he died. He went through that process. This is what we call Holy Week. And we start to talk about that or we think about it. We think about what does all that mean? What does it mean to us? In Matthew 26, verse 17. And it's interesting. Remember, Jesus now enters Jerusalem at the beginning of Passover. Remember? Passover, the Passover lamb. And now Jesus, John says, is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus now enters Jerusalem at Passover. And in 26, 17, it says, Now on the first day of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did it as Jesus directed them, and they prepared the Passover. And that's somehow... You know, Jesus said, my time's at hand. What time? Well, his time to come and be the sacrifice for us. 
his time to come and lay down his life for us. He knew his time was at hand. The disciples, they didn't know. They didn't understand. When he said, my time's at hand, I don't think they went, oh, we know you're going to go. They didn't know. But they obediently said, okay, let's go prepare the Passover. Let's prepare that Passover. That remembrance. See, they're still thinking about remembering. Their, their thought is, remember the Passover, because we do this every year. They were commanded to do this every year. So they're thinking, okay, we're now going to do this because it's time, and we do this every year. And so they go into the city and they start to prepare the Passover. Now, while they're at meal, while they're at a meal during Passover and their celebration, Jesus does something which is, um, I was going to say profound. It's beyond profound, but he does something to try to show them who he really is. Because this is while they were eating. Jesus took bread. We say this at communion. Jesus took bread. He blessed it, broke it, and gave it to disciples and said, take and eat, this is my body. Now remember, they're there celebrating the Passover. And now Jesus gives them the bread and he says, take and eat, this is my body. Then he gave the, gave the, took the cup and gave it thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus now says, I'm the Passover lamb. I'm the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I'm going to pay the price. Now, you've got to take of me. You've got to take of me. He says, this is a new covenant. This is a new covenant. This is a new agreement. That God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to die for us. And shed his blood for us. And so now we have to partake of him. We have to partake of him. He's the price paid for us. He's the Messiah. You know, they waited for this Messiah, the one who's going to come. Now Jesus comes and says, that's me. That's me. And so he says, you know, partake of me. Take all of me in. Take me in. Accept what I'm going to do for you. You know, we have to accept what he did. We have to accept the price he paid. There's no other payment. There's no other payment for our sin. You know, people, I, I've talked to somebody, you know, and they were worried about the fact that they were pretty, they weren't worried about it, but they were just stating the fact that they were pretty good. They really didn't feel a need for a Savior. That's an interesting concept. You know, that they were, a, and I, would, I didn't disagree with them. I said, you are. You're a good person. You're a good person. And I said, the hardest thing for you to do is to realize you have a need. What, you know, when you're talking to somebody that says, you know, I've had a good life. I've lived a good life. I'm a good person. I haven't been bad. And now I'm going to convince them they got a need. I'm going to convince them, but you are bad. <laughs> you know, that's kind of an awkward. But, you know, but I, I shared with them. I says, you know, I agree with you. I agree. And I said, it's very difficult for you to realize you have a need. But I said, we've all sinned and come short. I don't care how good you are. We've all come short. You know, you're not perfect. The other side of that is, if you get people who say, I'm so bad, God couldn't love me. You get people like that. They, oh, I've messed up so bad. How could God love me? 
The good news is it's not based on us. The good news is it's based on him and the price that he paid. He said, take and eat. This is my body. This is my blood. I've paid the price for you. Accept it. Receive it. Take it in. Allow it to be what you believe inside. You know, live it. Act upon it. You know, it's one thing to believe. And what I'm, what I'm seeing a lot of times, people believe a lot of things, but they don't live it out. People believe, believe a lot of good stuff. They can believe about God. They can believe about Jesus. They can believe Jesus died on a cross. Yeah, I think he did that. They can believe he rose again. But they don't live it. It doesn't become a part of them. That's why Jesus says, take and eat. Take it in. It's not just enough to believe it. You have to believe it. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. I think it says that because it has to get inside of us, then it has to become a part of us, and then we live it. It's not just enough to get it up here. It has to get in our hearts. Take and eat. Receive me. Receive me. Take me in. We do that spiritually. Communion is a sign we do it. But then unless we spiritually take him in, all we've done is eat a cracker and drink some juice. We have to spiritually take it in and let him be all that he says he is and live it, live it in our lives. And so Jesus comes as the sacrifice for our sins. He dies on a cross, sheds his blood. The Bible says he also took a beating for us. Took a being by his stripes, by the beating he took, we are healed. He paid a price also for our healing. Sometimes that's a harder one to accept and and work out because it's so physical, it's so real. Because it affects us in our everyday life. But we have to accept that just like we accept the blood that he shed for our sins. That he died for our healing. And we can accept what he's done for us. Then later on in the New Testament, as the writers of the New Testament look back on what Jesus did, in, in Hebrews, the ninth chapter, the 11th verse, it says, But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come, with a greater more, and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself once without himself, without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant, the means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Basically, that's saying that, you know, in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant was the blood of bulls and goats were sacrificed. And they were sacrificed as a sign and an image of the Messiah to come. But if they could forgive sins, how much more will God's own Son coming and dying on a cross, give us eternal life and forgiveness of our sins. 
that the price Jesus paid himself, God himself sent his only begotten son, and he died on a cross for us. How much more, how much more will that forgive us? You know, a new covenant, a new covenant, a price paid, a price paid for us. And then in 1 Peter, 1 Peter, the first chapter, the beginning of the 17th verse. It says, and if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's works, work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with, with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot, without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. You know, Peter then says, you know, we're redeemed, we're redeemed with the blood of a lamb. One who was without blemish. Remember that Passover lamb, you know, get a, get a perfect lamb. Well, Jesus was the perfect lamb. He came to this earth and he lived without sin. He lived a perfect life so that he going to the cross could defeat sin for us. Defeat sin for us. That we could be forgiven. He paid that price. We're redeemed with his precious blood. Not with corruptible things like silver or gold. Not with, not with stuff you can purchase. You can't buy your way. You can't do enough. You can't, you can't be enough. It's only by accepting what he did for us as a lamb without spot or blemish. Perfect lamb. The lamb of God. The lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Lamb of God for us. For us. I was watching, or I wasn't watching, but I was um, getting ready to do something and send something. And I was looking for a late letterhead for Easter. Not a big deal. It seemed like pretty simple, you know. I want to want to send something out to people. And I, wanna, I would like a letterhead about Easter. So Google's my friend. So I went on Google and I typed in Easter letterhead. I got tons of pictures of rabbits. Tons. I searched to find something about Jesus' death and resurrection. Finally, I had to type in religious. And it came, finally, I'm serious, folks. It came up finally. I say all that because Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection has now become something else to most people. The world doesn't even have a clue. They don't have a clue. They think this is about Easter bunnies. Probably because it sells better, I think. You know, I don't know. You know, but it's, it's hard. It, it's, it's come to that. And so when we say that we believe that Jesus came, died, shed his blood, rose again, the world says, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? They have no idea. Unless we tell them. 
unless we tell them. Now, it's going to seem foreign to remember the fellow. You know, it's going to seem foreign. They're going to kind of look at you like, well, yeah. But unless we tell them, how are they going to know? How are they going to know? Is the world going to tell them? No, the world's going to take it all away. The world's trying to hide it. I mean, you can look and say, wow. You know, listen to the news people. Why are they happy it's going to be sunshining next week? So that when everybody goes out and finds their eggs, it'll be nice weather. Because that's what Easter's all about. Most of the world is not going to celebrate his burial, death, and resurrection. We need to. But we need to not just celebrate it. We need to live it. We need to live what it was. Jesus died for us. We need to live as his people. We need to live as forgiven people. Because he is who he says he is. And the day is coming. The day is coming when he's going to return. And that'll take all the, all the ifs and ands out of it. But in, in Revelations, I want to read Revelations, the 17th chapter. The 14th verse. And it talks about different things that are happening. I'm not going to go through all the things that are happening. But in just the 14th verse, it says, there's going to be people who make war. And they make war with the Lamb. And the lamb will overcome them. Why is a lamb going to overcome the world? That doesn't even make sense. I mean, if you're going to go out and fight, if you've ever been around sheep, you don't want to take a lamb with you. You know, that's about the last thing you want. But isn't that how God works? Isn't that how he works? Because the lamb, starting back in Exodus... You know, the lamb was the covering over the doorpost. Jesus comes to be the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now in Revelations it says, they're going to overcome with the lamb. And the lamb will overcome them for he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. He's the lamb of God. But he's coming back as the lamb of God because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And when he comes back, he's going to execute justice for the last time. He's going to execute justice. There's going to be no more debate. It's not going to be like, well, I try. You know, it's over. It's over. He's coming back to execute justice. There will be judgment, a judgment day. You know, a lot of times we don't like to think, but there's a day coming when this Lamb of God will sit on a throne, and he will judge. And he will judge you and me. And the only thing that's going to get us through is covered by the blood. It's not debate. You're not going to say, well, yeah, but I was trying. Yeah, but I did my best. Yeah, but well, you got to admit, I was no debate. Only covered by the blood of the lamb. That's it. Nothing else is going to get us through. Nothing else is going to get our garments white as snow. And so that's why we have to accept what God did. We have to accept what he did when he sent his only son to die, to give his life, to shed his blood for you and me. I don't have to do it. I have to just accept it. And when I accept it, then I have to live it. I have to live it. I have to obey 
You know, God wants us to be his children, to follow him. He doesn't want us to say, oh, yeah, I accept us now. By the way, I'm going to go on my way and live my life anywhere which way I want. The Bible doesn't say that. It says we're to walk out our salvation in fear and trembling. That we continue to walk. We walk by faith and not by sight. We're obedient to him. We do what he wants us to do. Perfectly, no. But that's our desire, to follow him and to serve him. And to be what he wants us to be. So as we come to this time of year, you know, we remember, we think about what Jesus did. Hopefully we pause somehow. At least we're here today, so I guess we pause at least today. And we think about what Jesus did, the price he paid. I just pray that each of us be willing to accept that. Accept it. Accept it. Take it in. Take it in. Get it into your heart. Make a decision to follow him and serve him so that when the day comes and we stand before him in judgment, we can stand washed clean because of what he did for us. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the price that you paid. A price that we have trouble really understanding because we can't fathom sometimes that kind of love. A love that would die for people that don't deserve it. But Lord, we thank you for what you did for us, that you shed your blood. Lord, I pray you would help us to accept that as the payment for our sin. Lord, we would accept what you did for us. And Lord, that we would then walk faithful with you. We would be faithful to follow you, to serve you, and to be what you want us to be. And Lord, help us to be your voice, the salt, the light, in the world around us, that we would share your love and what you did for us with those around us because it's what you did for them too. So Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray if anyone this morning has a need for prayer, Lord, that they would come up and let the prayer team pray for them right after the service. Lord, that they would receive from you all that they need. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.